Welcome back to the EverybodySuffers.com podcast, the only podcast that brightens your smile while it gets rid of cavities. Everybody suffers, so how can I pray for you? I'm Carl Brown, and my hope is that through this podcast, I can help you experience the promises of Our Lady of Sorrows, which is peace in the family, being enlightened about the divine mysteries, consolation, really the answers to all your prayers, protection from the infernal enemy. There are seven promises of Our Lady of Sorrows, and I hope that you experience those through this podcast. Today's episode is about a a thought that you probably had not had from the, the story of creation in the book of Genesis. And this is something that I came across and was really, really had a big impact on my, on, my, on my prayer life, on my spiritual life, just looking at something in the book of Genesis that I had not seen before. This podcast is sponsored by Our Lady of Kibeho. Kibeho, Rwanda was the site of the most recent major church-approved apparition of Our Blessed Mother. She warned us of the Rwandan genocide of 1994, and she reintroduced the Seven Sorrows Rosary. Mary gave this warning more than 10 years before the genocide, which she confirmed by predicting the death and resurrection of three visionaries in Rwanda. Yes, three visionaries died and rose from the dead because of Mary. And the warning she gave the people of Rwanda, she specifically said, was not just for Rwanda, but a message for the whole world. So what will you do now? Will you pray the rosary every day as she asked? Or will you one day regret not having done enough to prevent what she warned us about? And the first seven episodes of this podcast are seven full sets of the Seven Sorrows Rosary with a different set of intentions or reflections each. I invite you to listen to those in order to pray the Seven Sorrows Rosary. Now let us begin with prayer in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful, and kindle in them the fire of your love. Lord, you send forth your Spirit, and they shall be created, and you shall renew the face of the earth. Lord, help me to say whatever you want me to say. Make me forget whatever it is you want me not to say. And open the ears of those who are listening, that they can hear what you want them to hear. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Where did we come from? Why are we here? Where is life going? These are three fundamental questions of life. And what's crazy is that all three questions can be answered with one word. In other words, one word answers all three questions. And to put it in a different way, these three questions are just three different ways of asking, why are we here? Because why are are we here can mean... What were we made by? What were we made to do? And what were we made for? They're just the same as where did we come from? Why are we here? And where is life going? And the one word answer to all of these questions is, wait for it, love. We were made by love. We were made to love. And we were made for love. To put it another way, in the form of the first set of questions, we came from love, we are here to love, and we are destined for love. 
because we were made by God's love, if not the love of our parents. We were made to love. That is, we can't be happy without love. And we're destined for love because God is love and he wants us to be with him for all eternity. I said that there is one word answer to all three of those questions, but there are other one word answers to those questions. One of them is God. We're made by God. We're made to know and love and serve God. And we're made to be with God for forever in heaven. But there's another one word answer to all these questions. And that is communion. We are made by communion. We are made for communion. And we are made to be in communion forever. Communion is a great thing. It's the Eucharist. It's common union. It's community. And it starts with God and ends in God. Insofar as we can say our earthly lives end, because we will never end our communion with God. So, the, so saying that our life ends in God is just saying that God is the purpose of our life. Our life is ordered to God. It is pointing to God. And I have recorded a set of podcast episodes about the Eucharist. But, and here's the big but, but God gave us free will. So some people can reject that love, that communion. They can reject God. What does that look like? Well, it looks like hell. When I was seven, my parents got a separation. That separation left wounds that I carry to this day. One day while I was reading the story of creation, I discovered that the second day was the only day not accompanied by the comforting phrase, from God that, quote, it was good. That seemed weird to me. Why is the second day the only one that was not good? As I looked more closely, I saw the word separate. On the second day, a dome or an expanse was placed in the midst of the waters to separate the waters above from the waters below. And that's it. There's not much more there. So it seems like it is this separation that is not good. Even though there is a separation on the first day, note that the light is, the light is called good, but separating the light and the, from the darkness is not called good. And even though day four also uses the word separate, the separation is there as a sign to mark the seasons. In verse 14, that separation is not called good, but the lights that were created to rule over the day and the night are called good. I was really intrigued by this idea of separation being something that God experienced, but that was not good. After all, union with God is what we will experience in heaven. We get a foretaste of heaven at Mass, which we call communion or common union. And separation is the opposite of union. The more I thought about it, the more I realized that the whole history of man is marked by the theme of separation. 
God separated the light from the darkness. Genesis 1 verse 4b and Genesis 1.18, and God separated the waters above from the waters below. Genesis 1.7, man chose a forbidden fruit and thereby separated himself from God. He literally hid himself from God. Genesis 3.10, God separated man from paradise. Genesis 3.23 and 24, Man continued to separate himself from God by sin. Cain killed his brother, Abel. In hindsight, we can see that fallen angels were separated from heaven. They fell from heaven. And falling, or the fall, is a separation. Then later, in Genesis seven, eight, the story of the flood, the flood waters separated and there was dry land. Then later the waters of the Red Sea separated and there was dry land. And the and the chosen people were able to walk across it. And then the waters of the River Jordan were separated. And the chosen people were able to enter into the promised land. And despite all this, some people persist in remaining separated from God. Leprosy is used as, a, as a, an analogy for sin. It's a good example of separation. People with leprosy are kept separate. Continuing this theme, the waters of purification that are described in, in Leviticus, and Deuteronomy, the waters of purification restore uncleanness which separates someone from the community. Jesus separated himself from the comfort of heaven in order to restore that separation. St. Paul says he did not deem equality with God something to be grasped. Rather, he emptied himself. That's Philippians 2, 6. St. Peter tells us that the waters of baptism are like the flood waters which were separated. 1 Peter 3, verse 21. And at the end of time, God will separate the sheep from the goats. Matthew 25, verse 32. This is the everybodysuffers.com podcast. So what does this have to do with suffering? What does separation have to do with suffering? Well, suffering is a separation. We have desires, and that's fine. But some of those desires are at odds with reality. As a silly example, we might want to fly as a bird does, but that doesn't seem to be possible. So we must reconcile our desires to fly with reality. We have to separate our dreams from reality, or at least realistic aspirations. In a more common example, we have desires that are at odds with God's plan. And who are we to ask that our plan supersede His? So when our desires collide and we have to face reality, we have to separate ourselves from our desires contrary to reality or contrary to God's will. Suffering 
even in different forms, is a separation in a way, a separation from our preferences, a separation from our desires, our dreams, a separation of friends, a separation of family, loss of communion, really. For example, I might want to be treated as God, but there can only be one God, so something must change. I might want to treat something as God, but there can only be one God. It might appear for a time that someone is successful in living contrary to reality, but sooner or later, their desires will collide with reality and God's will. And that collision, or that separation, will bring about suffering. Just as there are physical laws, such as the law of gravity, likewise there are spiritual laws. And if we try to break the law of gravity, it will break us instead. And spiritual laws, that is, God's laws, are more, more real, more lasting, more certain than physical laws. We cannot bend those laws to conform to our will. We must bend our will to conform to God's laws. And sometimes this requires a separation. Why am I sharing all this with you? Because separation is sort of like the anti-sacrament. It's the ultimate undoing of communion. It's not what God wants. It's not good as we think about the narrative of creation. But we can see this theme of separation running through salvation history in the major covenants over time. In my review of the covenants from a perspective of the Eucharist, we looked at the major covenants. So let's just look quickly at the covenants with Adam, covenants with Noah, the covenant with Moses, and then the beginning of Jesus' ministry and our first sacrament. The waters of the flood dried up. Genesis 8.13 The waters of the Red Sea were divided. Exodus 14.21 The waters of the Jordan were separated. Joshua 3 And in the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus came up from the water. Or in the Gospel of Mark, Jesus coming up out of the water. All of these things are separation. And we're going to have to experience some separation if we want to experience some communion. So, what separation have you had to experience in your life? What separation from friends, from family, from your desires have you had to experience? And I, I hope that praying the Seven Sorrows Rosary will help you recover from those separations, those opposites of communion. And I hope that you can come to experience a communion with God, with your family. And I just encourage you to pray the Seven Stars Rosary because Mary promises us peace in our family. She promises that we will be enlightened about the divine mysteries. She promises that we will experience consolation and, and she'll accompany us in, her, in, in our work. She promises 
that she'll protect us from the infernal enemy. She promises assistance at the hour of our death. She promises that those who promote this devotion will be taken to eternal life. That's the ultimate communion. So thank you for joining me in this podcast today. Who can you share this podcast with? And don't don't forget to tune in tomorrow. We're going to have another great episode. And I'm Carl Brown. This is the EverybodySuffers.com podcast. Everybody suffers, so how can I pray for you? You can email me your prayer requests at carl at everybodysuffers.com. Either way, I'm going to pray for you. My hope is that through this podcast, I can help you make sense out of suffering so that either you experience consolation or so that you can share consolation with others. Our Lady of Kibeho, pray for us. Our Lady of Sorrows, pray for us. God bless you. Have a great day.